You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello, and I'm here again, and Mark's not here again. I'm not quite sure where Mark is. I'm not sure if he's unwell, although he did mention he might be off to Cardiff for some sort of event. So I'm not sure if that's what he's doing or if he's still in his sickbed. If he's still in his sickbed, get better soon, Mark. And if you're off in Cardiff, have a good time. But anyway, I'm not alone. You all can now heave a sigh of relief. You haven't got to listen to me. I have with me Nick Riley, also known as Spligosh. Hello, Nick. How are you, mate? Oh, all right. Thanks, Simon. You, you realise everyone's now taking a deep breath because they realise they've got two of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so far, I've, I've managed to avoid doing a solo show, mostly because I'm rubbish at doing solo shows. <laughs> you yeah. might not. Solo, solo shows are hard because, you well, basically you've got to do it all. <laughs> well, I've found... You haven't when... got time to think no, whenever I I don't know how I don't know how Adam Adam does it when he does the Mac cast because whenever I've tried to record anything solo after about two sentences you start tripping over yourself I I just don't know how he manages to do it you know I really don't but anyway no. that's why I, I've not I, done a script, solo show I think um, I think scripting would be in order if I tried to do anything like that I'd have to have something to work from yeah me too but then then you you get the risk of sounding like you're reading which is. Uh, yeah, which is Eat probably far worse. Yeah. That's why I don't actually do a podcast on my own. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. I can I can rattle on for hours as long as there's somebody to bounce off. But uh, on your own, I'm immediately get tongue tied. So, uh, well, this is the part where we normally do the very English thing. So I'm going to ask you, how's the weather where you are, Nick? It's sunny and warm, which is nice. It's good for you know for the UK. It's just <laughs> unusual. Yeah, it's um. It's sort of bright but overcast here. The, the forecast was sunshine and showers, and I think that's probably what we've had. Yesterday's forecast was that there might be heavy rain and thunderstorms, but that's not materialised, so that's a bonus. Yeah. And uh, we're told, are we not, that there's another heat wave coming next week. Which Surely is good. Fabulous. I'm not particularly fussed about having a heat wave. I mean, just generally nice and warm would be good. Yes, just warm. Warm enough not to have to wear a coat is my, uh, is my kind of criteria. Absolutely. When it gets hot enough that I start sweating, that's too hot for me. I'm a, I'm a very British person. I spend half the time moaning it's too cold, and then the other half moaning it's too hot. <laughs> yes, aren't we all? <laughs> that's uh, that's the British way. That is the British way. So, uh, and right then, Nick. Well, this is the week, of course, of the Google I/O and the Microsoft Build conference. Um, yes, it is. And there's been some fairly interesting things come out of that. Some a bit creepy, some uh, less uh, less creepy, I suppose. A lot of clever stuff, though, nevertheless. I suppose we ought to talk about it a little bit. Was there anything on there that particularly caught your eye, Nick? Well, the, uh, the only stuff that, I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually been and watched any of it particularly. Um, but as you say, there's quite a lot of reviews um, of it, uh, knocking about YouTube and whatever. Um, yeah. I, I, the, the bit that um, I've noticed most was the Google Duplex 
demonstration. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's been everywhere. I thought that was has. actually incredibly clever. There's been a lot of hoo-ha, I think, saying, oh, what about the ethics and is it pretending to be a person? I I, I was listening to Tech Pinions. I don't know if you ever listened to the Tech Pinions podcast. No, I haven't listened to that, no. Uh, it's quite sure. There's a weekly one and it's about half an hour long. Um, it has people like Ben Baharin and uh, Carolina Milanese and uh, they're industry, you know, industry analysts. So yes. they cover yeah. they cover Apple and Google and Sony and anything really. Uh, so of course they were talking a lot about it and um, it, there's a lot of there's a lot of power in that duplex. There really is, although it's in its current form. I think it's more of a a demonstration of the power rather than an actual useful product per se. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, they are talking apparently about releasing it to, I believe, selected technology partners later in the year for real world trials. But um, yeah, I got the impression that it was very, it was quite staged. Yes, um, it's pretty, ob- pretty obviously fairly. I mean, even Google have said at the moment it can only do about three things. It can book you a table at a restaurant. It can book you an appointment. Um, I mean, they said at hairdressers, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that probably means booking an appointment. Um, even so, I think the um, the actual technology behind it and and the way the effort they've made to make it sound conversational. Yes. Yeah, it was that, actually pretty impressive. That was in, that was very impressive. Um, even to, even to the point where it sort of went, uh, mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> every so yeah. often. You well, know, there, there was thought... a lot of people have been talking about that as if it's a way to uh, fake being a human. But uh... well, in, in some in some ways it is. But I mean, let's face it, we we all have busy lives, and wouldn't it be great if you could just say, "Book me an appointment with the doctors," and it's like having your own personal assistant? Yes. You wouldn't say a personal assistant was fake because I'm sure they'd be very annoyed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. One of the things that came up uh, somewhere I was I was listening to was they were saying, well, rich people have been doing this for years. They just pay somebody to do it. They don't yeah. ring up and make yeah. appointments. They have a PA to do it. All you're doing is passing this down the line, as it were. I, I'm more interested in the technology behind it, actually, than what it can do currently. I think a lot of it will yeah. probably end up being passed into things like the, the Google Assistant and that sort of technology will leak out into no doubt people like Amazon not directly but they will no doubt get on the get on the case and want to do something similar um I mean I mean the other the other uh, I suppose the other aspect is that you could have um audio alerts so that you know um I'm I'm thinking of you know working in an IT company it might be quite useful to have your phone go and someone say, uh, yeah, you need to get in because such and such has fallen over. Yeah. Uh, and be able to ask it questions when it's actually automated. It's not actually someone at the other end. Yeah. That would actually be really useful for IT. I'm sure it would. I'm sure there's a lot of places where, you know, you could turn that technology around, as you say, and, and it could be coming to you and saying, you know, rather than just alert, alert, Nick, come to office. You know, you get a phone call and it would be, Nick, could you come in, please, because server number five has crashed. And as you say, you could actually answer, you know, ask it a few specific questions about, yeah. you know, is it a power failure? Is it, you know, to know, to, to know whether you actually need to be in or whether you could remote in and, yeah, exactly. and do it, whatever. Is yeah. the server completely down or has it just stopped responding? That sort of thing. So 
Yeah, interesting. It was interesting. And, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where it goes because I, I definitely see there's a future for it. I'm just not quite sure exactly how it's going to fit in. But No, no, me, me either. There was some talk, of course, around using it to enable people with disabilities, which... Yes, and I think a lot of these things are... I mean, I, I think the first... When I started to consider buying an Amazon Echo, um, I, I watched one or two things and read quite a lot about it. Uh, and there was one particular review on Amazon, I think it was, um, uh, because, of course, it was already out in America uh, by that time. Uh, and the, the it was a disabled person who said, uh, well, rather, it was the partner of a disabled person saying how it had transformed their lives uh, because they could now turn the lights on and off and turn the TV on and off. And uh, whereas, the, you know, they couldn't or, you know, the remote control might not have been easily. Yeah. Reached e- e- by e- them e- easy or... access. Uh, and yeah. I don't know if you listen to it, but um, Paul Wright on the British Tech Network has said a couple of times that he bought one for his grandmother, um, who's obviously elderly, somewhat infirm and blind. Right. Um, and he bought one for her because he went round round one time and found her, you know, at tea time sitting in the house in the dark, saying, oh, "I'm probably going to go to bed soon." Why? Well, because I can't do anything. Yeah. So he yeah. bought he bought her a. You know, an echo and set it up as he said, so it could turn the television on. And um, obviously, she doesn't need to turn the lights on if she's blind, but you know, she could turn the radio on, turn the television on, change the channels, ask it the weather, you know, ask it even the time. What time is it? Yeah. And I mean, I, I do that quite often. I mean, <laughs> anyone would think I hadn't got a, n- a number of clocks in the house, which I have. Uh, but sometimes <laughs> it's just easier just to say, hey, what's the time? Hey, what's the time? Yeah. Why not? You know, uh, so. Uh, that was that, and then most of the other stuff I saw from Google was about Android P, and there's a the biggest thing about that seems to be that they're thought of copying the iPhone 10 gesture interface. Oh uh, right, yeah. Um, and several people have kind of said why, and I think that's because we can, or <laughs> because well, it, because that I mean, let's face it, they've been doing that for a few years. They've sort of been keep copying one another's features because I mean, well, of course it, they do. If another phone gets a good feature, why would you not say, "Hey, we we could do with that"? <laughs> of course you will. That's how tech works, and everybody steals everybody else's ideas. Or if they don't actually steal them, they kind of go, "Well, that's quite cool. How can we do it and do it how we think is better?" So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's how that's how the tech builds on, and that's also how now it doesn't really make any difference to some extent if you go and pick up an android phone or an ios device or the same way as you know desktop interfaces are all very much of a muchness if you you don't have to have really had any engagement with a with a linux desktop to turn it on and be able to figure out how it works because we've developed kind of zeitgeist of how computers ought to work and um yeah yeah because they've all gone well that's a good idea we'll we'll copy that in one form or another and the things that are weird and out there just fall by the wayside yes yeah and of course they talked a little bit about um the uh, jaguar ipace and waymo as well didn't they so that, that was i mean all kudos for, to jaguar for getting twenty thousand jags onto american roads that's uh yeah that's yeah. pretty good that was uh, I. I didn't really uh, pay much attention to that, but that was uh... well. You know, I've got an electric car, so it does. Oh yes, obviously he's going to yeah going to take uh, take my uh, <laughs> take your fancy to dig that. I did I did see, but I didn't I didn't um I didn't dig into it with any great uh, depth. And, no. and of course, uh, my... I mean, only sixty three thousand four hundred and ninety five. I think I might have two. Oh yeah, <laughs> bargain, bargain. 
Yeah. Yeah, one for the weekend. <laughs> That's right, yes. One for each day of the week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, of course, Microsoft had their build and their, their AI. Uh, I think their AI demonstration actually got lost a little bit because of the duplex thing, which yeah. kind of sucked all the air out of theirs. Uh, um, did you see theirs or have you seen theirs? No, no, unfortunately not. No, I'm just having a quick look through your, your notes now. Yeah, well, they, they had a... A demo where they were using Surface to host a meeting. Again, it looked fairly staged, but the idea is that it can it can uh, take a transcript of the meeting. It can create a ledger on the side. So if somebody says something to somebody and they say, "Ah, uh, you know, I will speak to somebody about that," it will create a diary entry. Oh, that's quite cool. Um, again, you know, lots of people, ooh, it's creepy and, well, no, oh. it's just the same as somebody <laughs> taking minutes. Except, and also, apparently, it can it can translate on the fly so that, you know, it would be possible to have a, a meeting with somebody who didn't necessarily speak English and uh, it can do translation on the fly. So... Yeah, I think for all those people who are really worried about computers listening to them all the time, I think I, I think I'm tempted to say, get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it's going to happen. I don't think <laughs> it is happening. Not, it, I think it's in the same way as everybody was paranoid about CCTV cameras, and yes, now yeah. nobody pays any attention. You know. Um, so there we go. I, I can't remember if Microsoft had much else of any uh, great uh, thing. And they, ha again, had a lot of stuff talking about assistive technologies. I mean, at the moment, everything is about machine learning, AI. Oh, they had um, they had Microsoft Your Phone. That's that's right, uh, which is sort of what Messages does for on the Mac for iOS in that you can... Uh, right. You can... Yeah. You can interact with various things from your phone, so you can make place calls and then text messages and alter the diary and whatnot. And oh, they um, something about Cortana and Alexa. Yes, working. they've made Cortana and Alexa sort of not actually uh, work together, but one can hand off to the other. I believe is the the point behind that. It's not the That's... first time that they've they've mentioned that. I don't think. I'm pretty sure they mentioned that maybe a year ago. Um, I think it, I think if there's one thing that really frustrates me about the world uh, um, of uh, smart things and whatever at the moment is the fact that we're still all pulling off in different directions. And we've got the Apple ecosphere and we've got the Amazon ecosphere and the Microsoft one. And it's just frustrating. You know, I'd really like to be able to play my iTunes on my Amazon using using my Amazon and I'd really and vice versa. And it, I understand this competing companies and they want to do what's best for their customers. But really in this area, what's best for their customers is for everything to, to work together. Yeah. And I think that's one of those things that's gonna take a while to to filter across because to start off with, they're trying to use these things to um make their ecosystem sticky yeah they? they're trying yeah. to obviously they want people to stay with their ecosphere uh, yeah. and, and uh, ecosystem and i understand that uh, from a business perspective it's just from a customer's perspective what we want is something we want stuff to work together and we, uh, we don't want to have to i mean uh, 
I've got a reasonably complicated Amazon setup, uh, which uses Yanomi and, and and one or two other things, um, which works. But actually setting it up took some t- some effort. Mm. And um, I think if I had to set it up again, I'd probably get very confused because <laughs> it wasn't easy. No. Um, they were difficult not, to make to work uh, together. Sometimes these, these things seem not to be very easy at all. Um, Kelly said that she doesn't use... Uh, the home kit stuff at all because of the stupidity that the house has to belong to somebody and then you have to invite everybody else in your house to be kind of sub-users, as it were. Yeah. It, just, it, just, it struck me as weird. As you said, you know... Yes, you I thought do, that was a strange way of doing things. Do, you know, do Apple... Do Apple developers all live on their own? Perhaps they all live in these you know, trendy loft <laughs> Maybe apartments they do. on their own, you know. They don't have wives and children. But... um yeah, the, uh, Amazon apparently is allowing Cortana as a skill so that you can access your calendar and email via, uh, via Cortana rather than Alexa. Oh, um, that's good. That's a start in the right yes, direction. Yes, it's a start. Um, so it also says Microsoft is accepting it's lost the race to make Cortana relevant for your sm- smart home experience. So for the time being, Microsoft is selling Cortana as your personal assistant for schedules, emails, rather than turning off the lights, etc. Oh, right, okay. Uh, Microsoft is allowing Alexa to also run on Windows 10 PCs. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, actually, I could. I know that might sound a little bit strange in some ways that for for Microsoft to almost be admitting defeat, but I can also see them saying, well, if we tie Cortana in tightly enough to the one of the more corporate parts of the the Windows platform is so entrenched in. So yeah. Yeah, schedules, email, diaries, that kind of thing. And say, okay, well, we, we're never going to, you know, displace Alexa. But if we could say, so you can say to Alexa, hey, Alexa, get Cortana to do X, Y, Z. That they could still at least control the kind of Windows part of the experience. And all kudos to Microsoft, in all honesty, for um, being prepared to step back in that way. And they seem to have done that a lot over the last few years, and well, they seem I, to be yeah, they're going they're, they're, um, uh, more focused, aren't they? More focused on what they really want to do. I think they very much and, are, and, and, uh, and throwing stuff out that they don't want to do, which I think is a you know, I think that's admirable, really. I I think so. I think it is. I think. Um, when uh, I can never pronounce his name, Satya Nadella, I believe. Yeah. When he came in, a lot of analysts did say, "I think we're going to see a complete remake of Microsoft," because he came from the uh, web services. That that right. was his background. So when he became CEO, a lot of people predicted, rightly as it would seem, that he is focusing on the platform. You know, he's less interested in in the, the old style Microsoft. Everything is Windows, and everything must work through Windows. And he's much more interested in. I don't care what OS you use. I don't care what device you use. Um, it makes it makes you wonder, doesn't it, that whether because I mean, Steve Jobs did the same when he came back to Apple. Um, it makes you wonder sometimes whether a new CEO who's prepared to throw out stuff that is sort of periphery and say we won't do that anymore. Yeah. Because uh, it's actually a good thing for a company because, I say, it seems to have worked for Microsoft, definitely worked for Apple back back in the day. Uh, and, and maybe they're getting to a position where they need to 
do something similar again where they need to yeah. have a proper rethink about what what's really important what's to them important and... and what's not it's very easy there's a classic big company problem isn't it too it is kind of it is you start, start to... spreading yourself into so many things that you diversify don't do quite as well as you might at some of the stuff that you do well it also um somebody was saying on another show that these things often go in cycles where companies will draw all their peripheries in and become one huge like conglomerate yeah and then that will be the phase we need to you know, combine everything and have it one great monolithic company and then the fashion for that there's no we should spin all this stuff off and let them be kind of sub companies and then they get spun off and then the fashion for that gets goes out and they all start being drawn <laughs> back in so oh, let's face it, business is like that, quite a lot like that anyway, yes. all business. <laughs> all businesses so. are a bit like that. And yeah, I mean, diversification, we're always told diversification is good, but too much diversification becomes spreading yourself too thin, doesn't it? And yeah, probably that's right. You stop, you stop focusing on, on what really matters and start getting caught up in, yeah. you know, little bits of things that are unimportant, really, in the in the grand scheme. Yeah, and, and also I think you, you can get drawn into, uh, you can become promoted to the point of incompetence, as it were, as you're drawn off into things that you really probably don't, you should be leaving to other people. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, and that was the other thing. Again, more AI for accessibility, uh, a lot of stuff from Microsoft about about that. I think I've placated myself with the fact that we're going to call everything AI from now on. Yes, and even though it's not. It's all machine yeah. learning and pattern recognition, people. I keep banging this drum, but I'm losing. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm with the grumpy old geeks on this. There is no AI. There is no AI. It's all machine learning and pattern recognition. And That's right. It's very difficult to know where the, where the uh, joining line is between true AI and... And, and pattern recognition or whatever, because they're all tied up together. Oh, of course they are. Um, it's just it's just actually having things that make decisions on their own isn't quite where we are, really. And, you know, we're on the road. They're baby steps. Yes. Baby steps. Um, and, of course, also, what what is AI? You know, well, yes. At, at what yeah. point? Do, <laughs> is something that can do one thing and only that, is that an AI? I guess it could be. I, or are you talking about a general AI? If you're trying to create a, you know, an artificial uh, person, as it were, we're a long, long way off that. But I'm pretty sure we can build systems that can do a lot of things perfectly well. But it's still not AI because it's it's machine yeah. learning. And it's, it's, just, it's just that we've, uh, you know, we've just it's the word of oh, it's the buzzword, isn't it? It's the buzzword at the moment. Yes, right. everything is AI. I, I I remember reading something not long ago, and I can't remember what it was now. Um, but it was something really, really mundane. And, and it sort of said, and using special AI, we're going to do such and such. And I thought, well, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> no. It's just really silly. <laughs> <laughs> it was special with this special AI toothbrush. No. <laughs> it was like smart product, isn't it? What, what's smart about it? Anyway, there we go. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's enough about that, I think. We've talked about yeah. that. Um, for a week, which I thought was pretty dry of Apple news, I've managed to turn up quite a few bits and pieces. Which uh, so I don't know. Are there any in in the Apple section that are, have taken your fancy, Nick? You want to lead with? Um, let's have a look. Oh yeah, why the Apple Store is selling a bike helmet? That sounds interesting. Yeah, that that is quite interesting. Um, I I think Donny sent this one in actually. Oh, um, well done, Donny. Yeah, 
it, it's on Slate. Um, I had seen it elsewhere, but this is probably one of the better uh, articles about it. The Lumos helmet integration with the Apple Watch makes a cool gadget cooler and shows the promise of smartwatches. Uh, what it is, the Lumos helmet is a, a bike helmet, as you might figure, but it, it has LED lights in it, which can do signalling. So workers... Signalling. Yeah, yeah, indicators. And uh, I think it can bring up a red triangle when you start to brake, that sort of thing, uh, to you know, help other road users be aware of what you're doing. Um because let's face it, I mean, you only have to watch a little bit of YouTube to know that there's an awful lot of stuff on there with people falling off their bikes yeah. or being knocked off their bikes being or flying the over cars. Or <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it, it seems to me it's a, a not a very safe thing to do. So anything that can help with, um, with making you more visible just seems like a really good idea. Yeah. So as it says here, uh, the Lumos is a connected bike helmet outfitted with controllable lights for safety and signalling. Uh, there's a, an array of 38 LEDs which can light up to form a red triangle or white turn signals. Uh, right. It was recently updated with new features centred around the Apple Watch, which is apparently why Apple are now show, uh, selling it. The first is the ability for the watch to discern your hand signals while riding. Um, That's cool. And like automatically, that. yeah, automatically illuminate their helmet's turn signals. Where apparently before you had a, a L and R button that you fixed to your uh, hand. Yes, but, but why not use your watch? Yeah, that yeah. makes a lot of sense, really, doesn't it? Um, and the second is apparently it's been better integrated into uh, Apple Health. So oh, yeah, it right, can. Okay. Um, it can record a load of stuff. Uh, what does it say here? When the helmet is switched on, something you pres- presumably wouldn't do unless you're about to start riding, the app automatically starts recording activity for you. Um, uh, so you don't even have to you don't even have to switch the app on on your phone. Yeah, for those who commute by bike or less frequently that may not be the uh, in the habit of turning on your you know, workout, this automatic tracking feature uh, will give you a better perspective on overall health and daily activity. Uh, well, you know, that's all, all very nice. Maybe I'll have to start cycling then, or get a bike even. <laughs> yeah, uh, possibly. Um, there we go. Uh, yeah, um, quite a lot. The, the end of the article talks about how uh, one of the uh, most interesting things is, uh, what's it say? Lumos's example could pave the way for other devices to integrate Apple Watch gestures and automatic functions into their feature sets. Mm. Hmm. We can say a bike helmet may be among the first to incorporate this technology, but we can bet it won't be the last. So there you go. I've no idea how much this helmet costs, by the way. It doesn't mention No, it doesn't actually say in the article, does it? Uh, No, because I guess that's not its function. But uh, yeah, I've seen other articles about that, but I didn't really... Originally, I think I saw it when it was just that it was a a clever bike helmet, but now they've added Apple health features and uh, this signalling detection. That's quite nice. uh, One of the nice things about being a geek in these days is the way you can buy something and then it changes over time and it gets better and it does extra things. Yes, yes. I rather like that. I mean, one of the nice things about Teslas, not that I'd ever be able to afford one, but one of the nice things about Teslas is the fact that they update the software regularly. So uh, unlike a normal car, you know, when if you go in and say, is there a software update? They say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Let me look it up. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> um, it gets updated regularly, you know, and suddenly you'll find you've got a new bit of functionality. And I, I must admit, that's one of the things I really like about Apple stuff generally, you know, is, is, and particularly the iPhone. 
you know, suddenly you you find something that's got a new uh, a new icon, and you think, oh, that must mean it update it. Oh, well, have a look, see what yeah. extra functionality there is in. This. I, I think that's very true. I mean, you know, as as fabulous as the you know, geek devices of of the past were, it was very rare. You know, uh, I was reading a piece about the HP thirty five, which was the uh, Hewlett Packard's first scientific pocket calculator oh right yes yeah, um, yeah. and it sold for 439 dollars i believe wow uh, yes <clears throat> and we're talking in the 70s here yeah um and the piece was saying about uh after they decided that was what they wanted to do they asked a some kind of business analyst to do an analysis of whether it was going to be worth building it and they figured out that it would cost a million dollars to get this product ready mm-hmm. and it would have to sell for yeah you know sort of four or five hundred dollars and at the time you could buy a slide rule for about twenty dollars <laughs> yes <laughs> and so the business analyst said it's probably not worthwhile so but they pressed ahead regardless according to this article which was quite interesting actually i might have to find the link to that and put it in the show notes yeah good idea and um when they released it, they realised they'd done the right thing because basically every engineer and scientist and uh, <laughs> we were immediately <laughs> clamouring to get hold of one. Uh, All those nascent geeks waiting for the um, geek, and, geek stuff to come. And yes. apparently to the level that, that uh, people at universities and whatnot were actually selling their cars in order to get the money to get their hands on this pocket. On a calculator. Uh, pocket calculator. So uh, that was an interesting piece. I'll have to find where I read that um, and put it in. Um, on the same thing, I've got this other one here, uh, which is Digital Trends, Seven Ways We Will Interact With Computers In The Future, which kind of leads on quite nicely, really. Um, oh, yeah. 50 years ago, pioneering computer su- scientist Doug Engelbart showed off a series of breathtaking technologies in a keynote known as the mother of all demos. Um, where he demonstrated the mouse, a graphical user interface, hypertext, video conferences, and more. Uh, it was the equivalent of a modern Apple event, unveiling the Macintosh, the iPhone, the iPad, and the iPod all at once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it very much was. Um, yeah. Yeah, 50 years ago, blimey. Uh, half a century later, we're still relying on a lot of the computer interactions he helped to pioneer. Um, and then, obviously, it, this article talks about possible new ones. So... Uh, the first one, of course, is voice control. Um, and as it says, yes, we'll start with the obvious one. A few years ago, voice control was limited. Um, and it was. Uh, and to some extent, I guess it still is. Although maybe this uh, duplex will bring us forward a bit. That would be nice. Um, for many years, actually, I didn't even turn Siri on. I'll be honest. Uh, I continued to use the old voice control. on. The- yeah. 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 I've never got on with Siri. Um, no. I don't know why. I, it's it's quite amazing because you uh, you hear some um, um, if you speak to Adam off the mask Matcast, he you know never has any problems with his Siri. No, um, and yet every time I try to use it, and I do it, you know, I do keep going back to it and giving it another go. It just doesn't work for me. I I don't use it very much. I I'll be honest. I'm a bit of a classic. I use it to you know if I want to place a phone call to my wife. I will I often or nearly always have a Bluetooth earpiece in. So yeah. I tap the earpiece and I say, you know, uh, ring my wife and then it's a you know, home or mobile or whatever and then I place a call that way. Um, I'll sometimes I'll sometimes get it use it for um remembering something. So I'll ask it to remind me tomorrow to do such and such. Yeah, see when I mean when Kelly was on, she was 
you know, she uses Siri all the time. That's what yeah, she's saying. She says, she says, like, you know, Siri, place a phone call to, you know, Mr. Kelly on speakerphone, which was something that neither Mark or I were aware of, but you can do that and it will place it directly to speakerphone, which is, as she said, you know, when I'm washing up or something, it's really handy. You don't have to take your hands out of the dishwater and touch your phone. Yes. Um, I, but I know what you mean because it reminds me of uh, Ewan from the, uh, the Mac show. Um, now he doesn't live far from me and he has the same sort of problems and the, his characterization, which always makes me laugh is you ask it a question and it says, here's a cinema near you. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> that, you know, uh, my favorite is either, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you said, or, uh, here's what I found on the web about cheese sandwiches. It's like, <laughs> what? You what? And yet, and I, I can never get Hey Siri to work either. Right, I, I, right. I'd say I, I ended up switching mine off because I, um, I got it. And I, I bought a new phone not that long ago, a seven plus second hand, and um, I'd got it in the car listening to podcasts. I may have been listening to this one, well, not this particular one, but you know this. Yes. <laughs> I might have been listening to Essential Apple, um, and someone said something, and Siri said uh, something. I, and I thought, what did Siri just say then? And then suddenly the, the, my phone's ringing on the car, and I'm thinking, what's going on? I don't understand. And then suddenly my brother said, hello. <laughs> did and you said, ring me? He said, he said why are you ringing me? And I said, I didn't ring you. I, I said, I think Siri rang you. He said, oh, you do know I'm in Florida at the moment, and it's 3 o'clock in the morning, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, oh dear. oh dear. So I switched it off at that point because I thought I can't have it ringing him for no really apparent reason. I, um, the other day, talking about that, the other day, I I had my phone on the side of the bed and it was playing a podcast and I don't know what it was, but it doesn't matter. And somebody said something and it wasn't even remotely like Hoi Hoi Telephone. Yes. But the yeah. phone suddenly, for the only time in its life, decided that it heard the keyword and spoke up. And I thought, no matter what I say to you, I go, hoi, hoi, telephone, <laughs> do, and it just goes, nothing, blank, blank. And I've, I've tried and tried, and I tried, you know, I, at one point I tried to teach it to uh, accept it when I say it how I'd like to say it, which is, hoi, hoi, telephone. And yeah, it wasn't yes. having that at all. No, you have to do it in the <laughs> Apple way, which is, hoi, telephone. <laughs> you know, and then I would occasionally record it because when I tried to do that, when you have to record your voice and do it, and but it wouldn't have any of it. And then now, suddenly, in the middle of a podcast, when they were not talking, even talking about uh, you know Siri or digital assistance, it was in the middle of something completely different, and it just suddenly decided it heard the keywords and off it went. It was like, yeah, I have to admit, my uh, my Amazon uh, does the same, and particularly. Um... So I bought a, an Echo to start with, and I had it, um, a, a, I suppose, about four, four feet or so from the TV, uh, and it was quite happy there. Uh, I then bought a Sonos and decided I'd put it under the television, and it responds much more to what's on the television now than when I had it somewhere, just you know, even three or four feet away. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me particularly, but, but it does respond to the most unusual things. As you say, you, you find yourself sitting there thinking, did they say something that sounds like the keyword? Because yeah. I, I don't remember them saying anything that sounded like the keyword. Even, you know, no, this was, you know, I, th I think on the podcast, somebody might have said something like that was exceptionally silly 
or something. And uh, <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> but I suppose you could possibly have, but like you can't even hear me shouting it at you, you stupid machine. <laughs> but you can misread somebody coming out of your own speakers as somebody talking to you. Right? Anyway, sorry, I completely disrobed. No, no, <laughs> we well, it's, disrobed. it's true. It's true. Um, then they've got uh, amongst here, bizarrely, after speaking, they're talking about emotion sensing, which I would have thought I'd put way down the list as highly, uh, you know, futuristic. Um, it says, yeah, I suppose recognising facial expression and things. Yeah, Emotion sensing can assist users by pulling up relevant suggestions. Uh, I'm a bit weird about that. It's like I would have thought that the more use for that would be to determine just how you're feeling and rather than so that it can tell if you're got yes. jump. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the only trouble the only trouble with that that I, that I can see is if if you're uh, I think it must be a face shape or something like that but both my sister and I have talked about the fact that people think that we're frowning when what we're doing is concentrating yeah <laughs> you say oh you you don't look very happy I I think some, of that, say, some of that again comes happy. comes with our age nick <laughs> when you're concentrating your forehead now wrinkles you know uh, yeah that's what it is <laughs> which that's makes it, it look like you're scowling something like <laughs> something i was watching and then it was on the tv and somebody said to somebody why are you scowling i'm not scowling you are you're scowling no i'm concentrating on reading this book you know Put your glasses on then, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. Uh, and then gestural sensing. Gestural sensing. Well, that's just yeah. It's gestures. I think when you wave your hands about, about it. Yeah. I think they're talking more here, the um, Microsoft Connect type idea, I think. Right, yeah. I mean, in fact, they've mentioned it. Devices like the Connect have explored this in the gaming space. Um, I, I could see that possibly in the in the in the future. I mean, you know, maybe if you could wave your hand to make the lights go up or down, or yeah, maybe close the curtains, or if you could make certain you know motions to do things rather than having because it would be, I guess, if you're in the middle of watching a film and you want to pull the curtains, it would be nice not to have to shout out or you I think canister I, pull the curtain. I think it's more appropriate when you if you if you um op, interacting with. Uh, TV interfaces, then in some ways it's easier to be able to swipe with your fingers. Well, that would also be good, wouldn't it? If you could have um, something like the Apple TV or or a smart TV or anything like that, which tends to have an iPad type uh, interface on it. Yes. You know, it would be nice if you could actually do it by moving your finger, you know, swipe, swipe left. Yeah, left. rather than trying to find that tiny little remote that now has disappeared and yeah. down the back well, of my, your settee. My, but yes, not only that, but my biggest problem with the with the Siri touchpad remote is that it appears to be either incredibly sensitive when I just want to move down one and it goes down about four films. It's like... Oh, yes, yes, I've noticed that too or, as well. And, and then when I want to, like, pause the film or go back five seconds, and I try and touch the edge, which is supposed to make it go back 30 seconds or something, nothing happens. <laughs> and I'm like, come on! I know some people complain about getting it the wrong way around. Oh, I mean, I the fact is, all the time. I live on my own, so it just sits in the same place the right way up, so I don't have that problem. Yeah. But I would imagine if you've got more than one person using it, that could become a little yeah, frustrating. But it's, in the dark, it's almost impossible to tell which way around it is. <laughs> I have to admit, I've... Um, I'll be honest, I, I tend to fall back to the older aluminium one, yeah. which came with the earlier version, that, yeah. because it's got the sort of four-button, click 
click on it. So I, as often as not, I fall back to that because when I want to navigate the films, it's one click per film rather than uh, with the swipe. I try and swipe particularly in uh, Netflix and you want to scroll across and it goes like, I only wanted to move to the next film. Uh, and then they're talking about these virtual touch surfaces everywhere. Uh, I I kind of get that. People have tried that thing sort of idea before, though, haven't they? With sort of projectors. Do you remember the yeah. thing with the projected a projected keyboard on the desk? I do, and there was something at oh no, where was I? I think it might have been the Gadget Show a few years ago. Um, you know, the uh, Gadget Show Live. Right. Uh, I went to one or two of them, and they'd got a uh, was it Hewlett Packard or Dell? I think it might have been Hewlett Packard, and I can't remember what it was called now. It had got some kind of cool name like Slice or something like that, um, and it projected. It you not had a, only had the screen in front of you, but it projected stuff down onto the tabletop that you could interact with as well. Yeah, that, which, which I thought looked really interesting. Yeah, I I certainly remember one where there was a thing that it, it projected the keyboard. So yeah, the, the um. Now this was much more like ha- like having two screens, like one projected and one on- one in front of you. All right, and and you could literally flick things from one to the other, and it, it looked. I mean, I've never seen it again since. So whether it was just a concept that didn't get anywhere, but I thought it looked a really clever idea. Yeah, I also um, I'll probably never find the link again now. But uh, the other day I read a piece. Somebody had produced some kind of smartwatch. With a with a little tiny projector in it, which is supposed to project the touchpad onto your forearm. Oh right, yeah. So that you could effectively turn your forearm into somehow or other it was detecting your finger, so you could use this projected um, surface on your on your forearm as a as a touchpad. Ah, clever stuff. Clever. Um, how how workable it is, I don't know, but the concept is quite uh, <laughs> yeah quite interesting. And what else have they got in here? They've got uh, they've got pre-touch. Uh, I, I, this I don't really get. It's like you know. Yeah. Would you want your phone to be activating before you actually touch it? Hmm. Mm, not not really sure about that. <laughs> no, nor me. Surely, you know, if you're hovering over something, no, I'd rather just touch it. Thank you. I don't, I'm not quite sure about that. And then, of course, they've got virtual and uh, virtual and AR. Well, do we think that'll ever come to anything? Anything really useful? I I am I am a big believer that AR is going to go somewhere. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, we, we've been talking about it for a fair while now, and I've not seen anything where I've thought, oh, you know, that's game changing. No, but I I do believe that AR, almost certainly through some kind of head-mounted technology, is, you know, people always poo-poo it and go, nobody wants to, nobody's going to want to do that, but it's like... I mean, I must admit, I do like the idea. I mean, I think Google Glass was a good idea, but perhaps a little ahead of its... It, the technology wasn't quite there. It was, there was, but there was also the... I think they messed that up, to be honest. Yeah, because I, I think if they'd produced something that just gave you extra information when you needed it, yes. and, and it appeared in front of you, as it were... I mean, people got freaked out. That would have been really useful. The, I mean, people got really freaked out about the fact that it could record stuff and it, it yeah. had a video camera on it. But, I mean, people will tell you it, it could only record about 30 seconds at a time or something. Um, but it, it was free. And also, of course, they made it look stupid. Uh, yeah, I think that was the thing. That's what I mean by not being quite... The technology wasn't quite there. I think if... Because we've heard that Apple might be working on something like this, haven't we? We in, have. In the rumours. More, more than once. I mean... Um, um, uh, and uh, if they could make something that looks 
pretty much like a pair of glasses that where you can call up information like you would on your phone, yeah. but but without having the phone. That, I see that as something pretty cool. I mean, I think I, I think that's something I'd find useful. Or even or if it was like um like a driving laser, direction, you know, a wrap around. I don't know. Yeah, if, maybe. You know. Uh, Blimey. I don't know. It's got to be something people would be prepared to wear. Yes, it? it does. It has to be something people would be prepared. But I can imagine if you, years ago, and they were a novelty item, you used to be able to buy these sunglasses, which were effectively like a rolled up piece of, um, like that plastic sheet. Oh, right. Okay. So it, it, yeah. it was rolled up like about the size of a film canister. Oh, right. Okay. And you unrolled it. And then obviously the, the, the ends went on your temples. And then yeah. it went across your eyes. It was a it was a novelty, you know. It was one of those sort of things of the year. But the they were like disposable sunglasses. You just unrolled it, and it held onto your face by the its natural desire to want to curl back up into a into a roll. Right, I see. Yeah. Uh, if you, I could imagine something like that, obviously of a better quality by um <laughs> yes but that you know because people would say oh that looks stupid but then so do people walking around looking at their phones look stupid um and nobody takes any notice of that anymore no that's true that's true no. um we'll and, see and we'll see we... i think I, I think that's definitely an area where i think people still want to be able to access information at yeah as quickly as possible and have it appear for them only kind of thing without having to pull a phone out of their pocket. I think there's the, the sheer fact that um, the iPhone, the iWatch, uh, oh, sorry, the Apple Watch has become as popular as it has is, is, is that people want to be able to get their notifications and their uh, information and yeah, measure their health having to... without having a, 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 the phone itself. And I think the same goes for. But they really have got to be stylish and look like something you'd want to wear. Yes. Otherwise, I don't think people are going to go this, for this it. This is the thing. But uh, to some extent, I will say, I, I do believe if anyone can pull it off, it may well be Apple. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, um, the other thing, of course, is that, that, that Jonathan Ive and, and his best mate, Mr. Mark Newson, are not above calling in experts are they you know they they're not oh absolutely they're not yeah. above going to i don't know gucci or you know or as we found out recently google in fact yeah or <laughs> hermes or you know these other people to to get help yes so you know they're, they're well, interested to look forward in technology to, and whatnot. i mean I, I guess part of the, the the sign of that really is, is is the apple watch you know the bands yeah the the fact that they you know there are all these bands available there's only really one watch all right you can have it in stainless steel or if you've got money to throw away you can have it in Ponzi ceramic which i'm sure is very nice if you don't mind throwing the money at it but for most of us <laughs> yeah. the aluminium one is perfectly fine thank you very much um but you can have all these there are all these different bands available and because the the clasps you know like carl goes on you know he buys all these he buys all these watch bands off amazon doesn't he you know he doesn't he doesn't pay 500 quid for a for a metal link bracelet he bought one uh, about no that's right quid or something. yeah I've, I've done the same as well so i i bought a second hand uh 42 millimeter one uh about 12 months ago somewhat at work and uh i i, I didn't like the uh plasticky thing or oh, I'm not rubberized, whatever oh, yeah. it was. Came with the original. Yeah. Elastomer band, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. Um and so I literally I just went and had a look on the internet and found something that was a, a basically a leather strap. Mm. And it's been fine. <laughs> I mean I um 
I, I bought, I've got a Series Zero 42 mil black with a black band, which again, I, I bought secondhand because I wasn't prepared to pay Apple's original asking price. And- I, I, I couldn't get my head around them when they first advertised them. I just, I couldn't understand how they could possibly charge the amount that they were, <laughs> they were asking for. Yeah, them. you know, 300 pounds. What? How much? Well, even for, um, I remember having uh, chatting on, uh, I think it must have been on Bart's show because that's the, the only other one I'm on. Um, chatting and uh, saying, um, and it's an extra 100 or $150 for, for the um, stainless steel version. And I thought, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's stainless. They always used to make watches out of stainless steel. How could it be more expensive? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, originally there was a lot of talk about it, and I thought the quote unquote sports edition would be, you know, would be more expensive than the stainless steel one, but apparently not. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it's very strange. Anyway, uh, I'm sure Apple have made large amounts of money from it, so Ooh, good on yes. them. There we go. But, uh, well, there you go. Um, well, I'll tell you what, Nick, I would like to make myself a cup of tea, so we'll take a break and uh, we'll go over to John Nemo in his hardware store. Take it away, John. Our friends over at Azpen, that's A-Z-P-E-N, website azpeninnovation.com, A-Z-P-E-N. I-N-N-O-V-A-T-I-O-N, AspenInnovation.com, have a new fast wireless charging sound hub. It's not as complicated as you think. It's the DocAll, D-O-C-K-A-L-L, the DocAll D-108 fast wireless charging sound hub. It's available in several different color schemes, and we review the original D-100 when that came out last year. This is much better. The charging is better. They sent us the white model, which is gorgeously attractive. On the front, I've got volume up and down, track, advance, and rewind, pause and play. There's a microphone on the front, and then there's a phone for activating the calling feature while you're listening to music because it is a stereo speaker in addition to being a wired and wireless charging dock. There's a nice blue, attractive blue light glowing from the base. Very attractive. My iPhone 10 is sitting on it charging now using the Qi or Qi wireless charging. It's plugged into the wall, into the AC charger. There's right and left stereo speakers on the sides. And then on the rear, there's a 1 amp and a 2 amp USB port. Those are USB 2 ports, not USB 3. Port for the power cable on-off switch, and a micro SD port. So you can use it as an audio speaker even without being on the Bluetooth, which is the way I'm using it right now. Let's hear a little bit of music. That's Roy Orbison, my hero. Thank you, Roy. Let's get some more features of the Dockall as pen d108 it will charge through the case i've got my catalyst case on the back and the charging works fine and the phone call that i just made to the company representative also came through loud and clear at both ends the audio quality of the speakers the right and left speakers at the base on either side it's right in the mid-range so you're not going to get a ton of low bass or piercing treble 
but it's just fine for recreational listening. It's 100% customer satisfaction. They stand behind their product very much. Check out the webpage on our links, and I saw it is available at Amazon, at least in the U.S. I'm sure Simon and Mark will do their best to find U.K. and international purchasing links. The price is a little steep, $230 in the U.S. When you consider what it does, it has value as a charger, as a speaker, wired, wireless, phone calling, etc. So check this out. This is a product that is absolutely going to be a head turner on your desk. It has 10 watt Qi wireless charging, much faster than the previous model, three vertical charging coils, so you can actually charge multiple devices at once. The three colors available are porcelain white, charcoal gray, and jet black. Get the white one. It's a beauty. That's it for Nemo's Hardware Store. Back next week. Thank you, John, for another hardware store. And uh, that is the Aspen Dock All Key Charger uh, and Sound uh, Box. Now, I've looked this up for everybody. It's on Amazon US for $99, which is a big discount from the list price of $229. Uh, that is a big discount. It is a big discount, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're selling it on Amazon Prime US for $99. Uh, in the UK, they only appear to have the D100, which is a, an older model, which I believe is basically the same, but doesn't have the fast charging. Um, but that's selling for nearly £140. So to be honest, if you're interested, you might as well go buy it from the US store because they're only charging $30 to ship it to the UK. So for $140, which is less than £140, you can have the the new one. So there you go. Uh, well, there we are. Uh, where were we? Where were we, Nick? Um, what else have we got? We've got um, we've got this black dot bug is the Unicode text handling flaw, which will crash your iPhone, apparently. Um, uh, yeah. Yes, it's another it's another one of these. Uh, you know, it's it, this operating is, systems have bugs in them. Yeah, well, this is <laughs> this is more to do with Unicode, and of course the yeah. apparently the message is uh, maliciously crafted. It's not actually anything to do with the black dot emoji. It's the two, uh, right. it's the two thousand five hundred hidden Unicode characters, which will uh, basically overload your processor and cause the thing to go berserk. Um, and although it's being mentioned a lot all over the web by the way is uh, the latest flaw to crash your iphone and ipad uh, it doesn't do android much cop either although apparently uh it's slightly easier to uh to recover from on android but there we are um what else have we got oh this this was one we were talking about before the show wasn't it nick how about the ring doorbell yeah so there's a they found a flaw haven't they where after you've changed your password you could others can actually see what your doorbell is seeing yeah well Apparently, this came to light, according to this article on Engadget, uh, where what happens is if you change the password on your Ring doorbell system, uh, it doesn't ask people who are already logged in to re-log in with the new password, um, regardless of how much time had elapsed, apparently. And according to this article, in one case, an ex-partner had been watching the camera for months. Um, Ring said it started to kick people out in January after receiving receiving word of this incident, but uh, there's still a window of opportunity which lasts several hours, according to a test. Um, well, that's a bit poor, isn't it, really? Uh, 
Yeah. That's a bit Yes, yeah, that's a bit, a, a bit of programming that really shouldn't have got past the quality control, really. No. I mean, let's face it, if you change the password, everybody should be logged out and asked to log in again. Um, yeah. Uh, apparently, the incident which prompted the change also included phantom ringing of the bell in the middle of the night. Um, as it says here, this provides a bit of a headache for Amazon, which only require acquired ring in February. Um, and if it wishes to use the ring doorbell as part of delivery solutions like its Amazon key, it will need to know that the devices are secure. Uh, yeah, well, I have to say, uh, <laughs> if yeah. you're talking about home security, it's meant to be secure. Uh, yeah. As you probably know, I'm an internet of uh, troublesome things refuse, Nick, and I don't have any truck with it, personally. Mostly at the moment, because so many of them are just apparently so riddled with these holes. Um, yes, yeah, true. I mean, Although it hasn't hadn't stopped me. <laughs> no, well, no, but apparently but, yeah. the loss of your screwdriver has. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Yes, I found the little screw. I've lost the little screwdriver that comes with the uh, to take it off the wall, and I didn't. I didn't fit it. Um, so you can fit them so that you connect them to an existing telephone line. Right. Uh, telephone. Sorry. Uh, doorbell line okay uh, but i didn't bother to do that i just took it off the wall recharge it and stick it back on the wall again and now, but of course, can't now i can't find my little screwdriver I, I can't even get it off the wall yeah there's a bit of a there's a bit of a flaw in the technology there i can understand yeah. why it's got a special screwdriver to stop people making off with it i'm sure or yes. or, or yeah. dismounting it in order to uh, prevent you Having said that, it is very secure now. No one can see anyone through my ring doorbell. <laughs> That's it, though. No. no one can hack your Including doorbell. Including me. Including <laughs> you. Um, I have to say, I, I kind of I kind of liked the idea of the ring doorbell when it first came out. But um, as you say, I mean, the guys on BTN, several of them were ring doorbell users. It wasn't half expensive when it launched. Yeah, it was. It was about, yeah, for what it is, it is. It was about £200, wasn't it, when it started out? I don't know what it's selling for now. I know, I know Amazon have slashed the price. It's about, I think it's about. Yeah, I think it was pounds. almost two hundred, wasn't it? I think they're selling it for some thirty pounds or something. But uh, I must admit, I found it a little bit, a little bit disappointing. Um, so the first generation, which is the one I've got, um, only has eleven um, G connectivity. All right. Uh, and so it, it only has to be a little bit outside, and, and and it can barely see my Wi-Fi network. That's um, so I, I did. Tr- try to um unfortunately i've got like a little hallway that sticks out at the front of the house and it's and um i tried i've got no plugs in there so i thought i wonder whether i can get a like a wi-fi extender that that is in a light because there is a light in there right so and i managed to find one i can't remember the name of it now Uh, but every time i tried to set it up it killed my wi-fi network completely oh just I, my Wi-Fi network would, would all my devices would suddenly not be able to find my Wi-Fi network, which was very strange. Mm. Uh, and I tried it two or three times, and eventually it went back to Amazon because <laughs> yeah. it just wouldn't work, which was a disappointment. So it does work, but it's a little bit choppy because it, it's struggling to connect to my Wi-Fi network. I think the version two they put uh, AC on it. I think. Right, um, uh, which is a little bit more powerful and and can should work better. Right, but it was still useful. It was still useful. I mean, people delivering packages. Uh, I must admit, I did have one or two rather startled looks and 
oh, I've not seen anything like this before. <laughs> I mean, I, I, how big is it then, Nick? Because in it's, that picture, um, you can't see. I mean, it just looks like a doorbell. It could be any size from, you know, sort of... I'd say it's like a... It's like a uh, if you can imagine a packet of cigarettes and a little bit taller. Right. So it's not like a little doorbell. It's a, it's a decent size. Um, but not as big as one of these sort of... Four inches, four yeah. and a half inches tall, something right. like that. So, so not as big as a... Not as big as one of these sort of entry type systems, but no, no, not no, nowhere near that size. But not but, as small uh, as. But a... certainly a bit bigger than your average push bell mm. doorbell. Well, uh, but but yeah, they're, they're they're a cool thing, and if you, and particularly if you know, often there's no one there, it's really cool to be able to pick it up and chat to the people and just say, you know, well, just bung it, bung it, take it next door or <laughs> yeah, right. put it yeah. in my safe place or whatever. Whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it has its use. I, like I say, I, I liked the idea of it originally, but the, the price was like you're having a laugh, really. Yeah, and they've always had problems with it, haven't they, uh, security-wise, I think, from the beginning. Have they? I know. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling Ring have had one or two problems with right. uh, I think I think you security. and Ziddy's just stopped working. I think just was it you and or one of the others? But one of the other one of them on the on the BTN said that theirs had completely died, wouldn't work. Oh right. So there we go. Oh well. Mm. Uh, there we go. More yet more troublesome things in the internet of technology or whatever they call it. The things yes, it vindicates your position. I'm sure. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I. As a geek, I like the idea, but paranoid part of me just says, when these things are made, you know, by the millions and churned out so cheap, how can you possibly believe that they're secure? My problem. To be honest. Yeah. There it just depends on whether you believe that. I mean, you believe that everyone's out to get you. I mean, we all know they are. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the the one, the biggest one for me is is locked. You know. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've always been a bit. Weirdly, and I'm quite happy with the bell. Yeah, but an internet connected smart lock. No, thank yeah, you. just just allowing get the door to open itself on or whatever. Mm. No, not not so keen on that one. <laughs> um, what have we got here? Uh, this one is on ABC News. There's a uh, a piece of CCTV footage which shows an iPhone exploding and then um, or exploding into flames on the counter in a store. Oh. Um, which is quite frightening, but if you read the piece that goes with it, uh, the phone had been taken in because its battery had swollen up so much that it had cracked the screen. Ah, uh, right, so okay, that, so it was on its way out. That is always a huge warning sign. Um, and if you, when I watched the, the video, which isn't very long, as you can imagine, it's a piece of CCTV footage. Um, yeah, yeah, I've just seen it. Yeah, that's quite a lot of flame for a few seconds, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, although it dies out pretty quick. But then, of course, anything lithium catching fire is pretty scary. But um, it looks to me, now I could be wrong, but it looks to me like the, the phone, which obviously already has a swollen battery and a cracked ski, is, is sitting in direct sunlight on the counter, which to me... Oh, yeah, it does look a bit like that, yes. I mean, it might not be. It might just be the video. But to me, it looks like, I mean, I've left my iPhone in direct sunlight and it will get very hot to the point that actually you get the thing up saying this phone is shut down due to overheating. Now, uh you want my opinion one that's already got a swollen battery should be sitting in a bucket of sand anyway um yeah this is this is the problem really with lithium iron isn't it i mean i think we are hopefully going to shortly see solid state um lithium batteries yeah uh which which should 
which should get away from this problem with them exploding because it's the liquid that is the problem. Yes. Well, the way they work, isn't it, is that if the two um, components inside it mix, yes. then, then you have an explosive situation. Um, um, so per- perhaps this is just something that we you know, just be careful to people, yeah, well, really. I mean, it, it really, it's one of those. I mean... Every phone manufacturer, uh, and in fact, every manufacturer of lithium batteries will tell you if the if the battery swells up, you know, it should be placed in a bucket of sand and out of harm's way. Uh, I mean, the fact is, if you do major damage to something, anything that's got lithium-ion batteries in it, you need to be yeah, extreme. Very care- I mean, there was a, a an article a few weeks ago, wasn't there, about a car that had hit a barrier in America, uh, a Tesla. Oh, right. No, I didn't know. Uh, um, and it had, it had burst into flames. Um, but but the car was really sort of totaled. I mean, <laughs> it had hit it very hard. Mm. Um, going uh, at super speed, by any chance. It might have been. Who knows? Um, I, I, I'm not sure what the outcome from that is, because they, I think they did say it was on autopilot at the time. Um, but even so, um, if, if you rupture a battery like that, you, yeah, you know. You've got a big problem. Run away. Yeah, run, run away. away. As far run as possible. Away very fast. Um, <laughs> what's the, uh, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it on this show before, but the, the guy who developed the lithium iron battery is now working. He said he's, it's one of those, it's still five years out, but I believe yeah. he'd got a thing where he was lithium glass. I seem to yes. remember. So yeah, that, that's right. that the two components can no longer, you know, can no longer combine. It uses some other technology. I do hope we get something soon. I really do. Yeah. It's, it's be, it seems to be very frustrating. And you, you keep seeing another little bit of the news that says breakthrough in battery technology and you read it and it oh that looks sounds really great and then right at the end it says uh yes they've proved this on a small scale in a lab yeah. you think oh so we're no further on no what we want is someone producing something <laughs> well they're getting where i guess these are things battery technology is not like um you know it's not like chip technology is it? it's not something where you can simply retool and make it smaller and faster you've got to no you have to you have to defeat the laws of physics yeah it's that physics thing that gets in the way isn't it you know um and they do keep coming up with cleverer and cleverer ways to do these things and talking of cleverer things we haven't actually talked about any of the apple stories (laughs) so perhaps we should um yeah cleverness uh apple was helped to discover a new technique that can make aluminium for iphones without damaging the environment uh this was from the independent um that's good that's uh now there's a video i think and uh it's on the independent uh read this uh the new technique completely eliminates the greenhouse gases from smelting um which uh says it's a revolutionary change in the way this metal is made um yeah uh, I don't know if you remember what you learned in geography at school, but um, aluminium is usually made from bauxite, which I believe is about 1% aluminium oxide, and then an awful lot of other rubbish. Yeah. And it has to be smelted. Traditionally, it's smelted with electricity, uh, which is why places like the Volta Dam are popular for doing it where you can generate huge amounts of electricity. Um, right, the smelting still relies on energy that could potentially be generated uni- using fossil fuels, but it gets rid of the greenhouse gases, which are usually created by the process itself. Um, well, anything that makes it just a little bit cleaner has got to be a good thing. 
Yes. Uh, aluminium is traditionally made by heating alumina with a strong electric current, removing oxygen. Um, but the material used to do this burns in the process, releasing considerable amounts of greenhouse gas. This new technique uses a completely new process, replacing the carbon with a different secret material. Uh, this material <laughs> produces only oxygen when it burns, which limits the environmental impact. It's spam. <laughs> <laughs> They've discovered a way of using spam as the secret material, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they're saying about, you know, you might still be burning fossil fuels, but I'm pretty sure that most aluminium, as I recall from my school days, is smelted using hydroelectric power because that's yeah. how you can generate enough electricity to do so. Uh, so uh, there we go. If this happens, it could cut the greenhouse gases released by smelting around the world, and this could vastly reduce the environmental impact of the creation of iPhones and other Apple products and everything else which relies on this important metal, which is a hell of a lot of stuff, by the way. Aluminium is all over the place. So You know, it's, re it's really good because, I mean... <sighs> How many other technology companies make a big thing about anything about their manufacturing process, really? Well, yeah. <laughs> and Apple are constantly pushing, constantly. I mean, uh, it, it was last month, wasn't it, that they were talking about um, all their uh, renewable energy for all their sites. Yep, that's right. Um, and, they're, and they're pushing, they're saying they want to push it down the chain so that eventually they want to get, you know, even their flyers running on. Uh... Yeah, all kudos to Apple for, for doing it. I mean, I know they're in a position where they've got the money to plow into it but even so there's, there's, there is no i wouldn't have thought doing any of that would actually sort of make them any money it, it, it's simply because they can and they, and they want to yeah so that, you I, know, i'm sure it doesn't make them any money but I, I, it's obviously sound practice yes sound practice. Yeah. And, and, you know for many years uh, i think there's very few people now who would deny that climate change is a reality and that uh, human beings are almost certainly to blame for it but, but for a long long time uh, i've always said that even if there's no proof that what we are doing as humans is the cause of climate change that doesn't mean that we shouldn't recycle you know clean up our act use less resources or whatever because morally who gives us the right to take it all and leave nothing for anybody else so yeah you know, yeah um, you hear that man that's it yeah. uh, you know re recycle reuse send your cardboard back to be mashed up and um yes i'd like to say that i'm i'm a doyen of recycling but i'm afraid i'm not um do you know the ones i find most difficult plastic bags oh yeah. Um, I, I, I I would like to use less plastic bags, but I always forget to take bags with me. And, <laughs> and I just end up with more plastic bags. So sorry, Earth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, of course, is at the moment. Suddenly, of course, the uh, condemnation of one-use plastics has hit the headlines, something probably that we should have been on about 10 years ago. But, yeah, you know, true. I saw, Sometimes I saw it's better than never, isn't it? You know. Well, yeah, that's true. I, I, I saw an article yesterday saying that they'd found plastic at the bottom of one of the deepest trenches. Yes, in the they Pacific. found a carrier bag at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. That's, that's 36,000 just... feet down. That's mad, isn't it? Um, I believe, what's it? Uh, is that, I think that's uh, the Marianas Trench is deeper than Everest is high, if I'm correct, if not somewhere close. Anyway... Yes, that's that's the trouble, isn't it? I've, I've mm. the trouble is you can't get away from plastic. It's everywhere, absolutely yeah. everywhere. True. I'm glad it's, to... it's up, up to us all to do our little bit, though, isn't it? And I, I do try with everything else. I'm just not very good on the plastic stuff. Well, you know, but there you go. Apple are helping us out. I mean, they've you know they've removed plastic from 
certainly from all their packaging um if you look at uh you know if you're if you go and pick up a new uh you know a new apple product then there's basically no plastic in the in the packaging that's good other yeah. than the film wrap around the outside i think now the um you know that the the air uh, ear pods used to come in a little plastic case yes that's now been replaced with basically like a cardboard cotton reel oh right okay so yeah you don't get a nice little case to keep them in anymore but at the same time um the stuff's recyclable which is a good thing it's a load of cardboard yeah the tray you know the tray that your phone sits in that used to be plastic now it's pressed card um so and these are little things i suppose but when you're talking about however many you know millions or billions of iphones they churn out that's probably oh, yeah was it 19, around 19 million a quarter or something like yeah, that something, something like that you know crazy that's a lot of packaging isn't it that's an awful lot of packaging yeah. so there we go um there's an article here saying apple doesn't need to make a round watch because they're designed one out which is from ipad insight uh mm, i'm not sure i agree with that i'm they what they're saying is what competition is there, you know, and all the round watches, none of them seem to have made any any real impact. Uh, well, I'm not well, I don't sure think any that... other watch. I think there's very few of the watches that have made any impact at all. Yeah. Um, I, don't get me wrong, I quite like the um, I quite like the uh, iPhone, but uh, oh, the Apple Watch. The Apple Watch. Um, but I don't particularly like round faces on it. No. So I, I, I just use like the. Deep, the default thing with the numbers on it, and I'm quite happy with that. Have, um, uh, but I tried one or two round faces, and I thought this just doesn't look right. I, the one thing that they, I mean, I do have a round face. I have a fairly simplistic analog round face on mine, and it doesn't really bother me because I've got little complications in all four corners, um, which is one thing, of course, you can't do with a round watch. No, that's true. No, that's you've true. Got to I accept that. You see, I had a, I had a. I had an Amazon watch before. Um, not Amazon. I'm getting my words mixed up. A uh, uh, Google watch before. Okay. Uh, um, uh, uh, and I quite, I really like the round face on it. Right. I must admit. So this idea that, you know, they had the best design. I don't think. Yeah. So. They had a design and it's a nice design, but I, 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 I don't think they were to just rule out round watches. Well, this has kind of come up because, uh, and they do mention it in this article, that patently Apple, uh, or maybe it was 9to5Mac, I don't remember, but one of these people found that Apple have been awarded for a round, uh, a patent for a round watch. So, you know, don't rule it out. Now, Apple patent all sorts of things that they think of. Um, So it, it... doesn't to me say one thing or the other and i kind of get the point of their article which is saying the apple watch won out as it is so it doesn't uh, need I, to change I think the apple, I, yeah i'm not i don't agree with their assertion i, I think the apple watch won out because because it's a better device yes that is exactly uh, what i think it's as, i think it's as simple as that i think it's a better device it does more things it does things better and i, I um, think um the fact that it's that it's oblong rather than yeah. round i think is one of the least important bits yes it's a, i think that's there's a combination of factors to that i think one is it's actually you know they're they're based on oled screens and it's a lot easier to make um an you know a rectangular oled screen absolutely to, you waste less material as well i suppose yeah. yeah because otherwise you've got to you've got to make a you know you've got to make a square of oled <clears throat> Sorry, and then cut some of it away and throw <laughs> yeah, it I in the bin. So. Yeah. Um, 
uh, as I understand it. But the other reason is I'm pretty sure because uh, Johnny wanted to put the complications on it. And the best way to put the complications on it is to put them in the corners. Yeah, that would. Yes, I, I can uh, see that the des- that I can see that the design and the technical ability of it are sort of hand in hand with one another. Although I don't think that I would rule out because you know Johnny Ive for sure, and I'm probably Mark Newson as well. Uh, you know, I know that um, Jonathan Ive is a is a watch man. You know, he likes his watches. Before yeah. before the Apple Watch came along, I think you, you'd have seen pictures of him wearing, you know, fairly expensive mechanical watches because he's a mm-hmm. fan of that sort of thing. Um, so I would certainly never rule out uh, Apple making. I think one of the reasons, another reason that, that it was oblong, as well as, you know, just the technical aspects, was at the time, if you look at the, the original round smartwatches, a lot of them ended up looking like a tuna can. I mean, they were huge. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. My my watch was quite a lot thicker than the iPhone. Now I uh, <laughs> said it again. Yes, I know. <laughs> Apple Watch. The Apple Watch. <laughs> the but technology is moving on. I mean, uh, talking about we were talking about Google I/O. There was a there was a piece related to that saying, oh, they mentioned they're going to do probably do a Pixel Watch. Um, hmm. But all of the pieces I've read about it effectively are pure speculation. Um, Oh, it might do this and it might do this. Like, well, why don't you wait until they actually make one? You can speculate <laughs> about how it's going to yeah. be so much better than an Apple Watch as uh, all you like. Um, you know, you've renamed it from Google Wear to Wear OS and you've made it work better with iOS and this, that and the other. Great, fine. Produce a watch that actually proves that it might be as good as the Apple Watch and then maybe I'll take notice. Other than that, you're just this little pie in the sky to me. Yeah. But no, oh, I I'm not saying I would never buy a round Apple Watch. I think, you know, and I'm pretty sure if uh, if Johnny and the rest of the design crew figure out how to do one which they feel is aesthetically appealing and works without compromising the uh quality of the product, yeah. I'm sure they will quite happily make a round one. I just wish uh, the only thing I wish with it and I'm sure everyone owns a smartwatch thinks the same i just wish apple would allow people to yes. third party faces can we have third party faces please <laughs> please, please, please 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 like you're saying about the about the um you know the round the round faces don't necessarily look great to you on the on the yeah. on the black oblong i mean i've had in the past i've i've had oblong watches with a rectangular face Oh yes, yeah. You know, I've had uh, rectangular watches, even though obviously the you know they were analog. So the yeah, I had one. I had one when I was at college. So we are going back a long time now, um, <laughs> back into the annals of history. Um, uh, and it was a oh, it was a German Bueller. It was a oh, Bueller yeah. watch. And I loved it, and it had got a normal face at the top. It was square. It had got a normal face at the top, and it got a digital watch at the bottom. Oh, yeah, sorry. And I loved it. With an LCD, like an LCD uh, yeah. Yeah, digital yeah. display at the bottom. Absolutely loved the watch. Tiny, until probably. It eventually tiny, broke about four mil by 12 or something with the numbers in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Uh, I, I must admit, I remember the... Um, the very first digital watches coming out, the ones that had a red LED and you pressed it. Oh, yeah. You know, was, it, was, that, um, was that Sinclair who brought those out? I can't remember now. Uh, I'm not sure it was. Uh, you might be. Uh, I don't know. I don't I know. know. I, I don't remember being Sinclair. I don't know, but it was somebody like that. But they, they 
yeah, they had like red LED numbers in them. They or, or maybe they weren't even LED, but um, which, you, which you obviously had to press a button to. You had get to press the, light up. the button yeah. to make it light up because it couldn't be on all the time because it had drained the battery in about three seconds flat. I'm um, sure it was good for good for the technology that was about at the time. It, it was, <laughs> you know, it was amazing. Of course, it, it was rapidly superseded because I think it was Casio brought out LCD watches, and that was the end of yes. that. But, um, that said, I went into a shop the other day and there were some cheap, like, novelty watches. I think they were selling for about £5 and they oh, were really? like a, they looked like a rubber bracelet, like a big version of those sort of charity bracelet things you can buy. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, but they had, obviously had a, a, a buckle on. Um, and, and there was a blob in the middle for the watch and you pressed the button on the side and the, the red LED numbers lit up underneath the translucent plastic. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And it was like, uh, I almost wanted to buy one for the sort of, yeah, I remember when all did. The nostalgia. I yes. wanted to buy, almost wanted to buy one for uh, all, all did. One, I remember when all digital watches were like this. And then I thought, yeah, and how often am I going to wear it? Like, uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> Never. In fact, actually, yesterday I, I went out. I went into town and I, I promised my son um, I'd take him into town and buy him a subway because that's what he likes. And uh, I got in the car and I got to the bottom of the road. And as I, you know, went to turn into the uh, in, onto the main road, I realised I didn't have my Apple Watch on. And I was like, "How have I come out without my watch on?" I nearly oh, turned around and went back to the house, but I decided uh, for once I could probably live without my watch while I went into town and had, had a subway and a fizzy drink. <laughs> I must admit, I do. I do like the. Uh, I do like Apple Pay through the watch. I mean, it's uh, yeah, just, I'm, that's something it's just like, so convenient. That's something I'm unable to experience because my online. Bank, oh, because you've got this. Yeah, you haven't got it on that watch, have you? Uh, no, it's on the watch. It's not the watch. It's, the watch. it's it's on the watch. That's not the problem. The problem is that my bank refused to bloody sign up. Oh, it it, uh, oh, right. it it took them until about Easter this year to get round to issuing a touchless, you know, a tap card. So I do, oh, right. I do now have a contactless card, which which is nice. At least I have the pleasure of just holding my card near the near the thing and it going beep, rather yes. than having to put my card in and type the number out like a caveman. But uh, it would be nice if I could use my phone or my. Uh... Oh, nation, nationwide. Uh, I, I've been with Nationwide for a long time, and they they they've got. Uh... Apple Pay through the watch, and they've also got their own app on the watch as well, where you can check your balance and do oh, things yeah, like my, that. Oh yeah, I mean, my because my bank is online. Um, yeah, they have a really good app that that um, allows me to check the balance. I can check the balance in my account. I can check the balance on my card. I can see, you know, pretty much every uh, transaction I make. Uh, all sorts it, of things. It, it just sounds fun. as if they need the the last little push to get there. Yeah, you know. Um, and and but it's like, could you please just you know sign up for Apple Pay? <laughs> but there we go. Um, well, uh, I think we're pretty much coming to the end, aren't we? Uh, what have we got here? Uh, uh, inevitably, there's a class action lawsuit about the Mac Butterfly keyboard. Um, mm, I've never used this butterfly keyboard, so I've no idea what it's like. No, well, I, when I was talking to Donny yesterday, we were both the same in that we've been in the shop and seen one and sort of typed on it for about 10 seconds. Um, I mean, the whole thing is it's, you know, super low profile and it's got almost no travel in it, um, which obviously Apple have designed in order to facilitate making ever thinner laptops. Mm. But it apparently has this problem where if anything gets into it, it fails. Um, 
I don't really know what to say about that. Uh, a class action lawsuit? Well, that was inevitable. I mean, last week we were talking about a petition to recall them all and fit them with a different keyboard, which was kind of, I don't quite understand how that's going to work. <laughs> because, like, the whole point is that the laptop is built around this super thin keyboard. Um, I've not, and we both said the same, neither of us had used it enough to uh, make a decision about it. I have to admit, I'm quite keen on the chiclet keyboard on my, you know, magic keyboard. Uh, we, we were talking about the uh, about the Mac uh, on uh, Let's Talk Apple, and um, I said at the time that, you know, I love, I've, I've had one or two uh, iMacs, and I love the iMac, and I've got a 21 and a half inch one. And um, but I never understood the trying to make the edges really thin. No. Uh, and, and, and I must admit, you know, every time Apple came out and said, "Yeah, we've made it even thinner," I used to think uh, say every time to the TV, "Why? It, it doesn't need to be any thinner. Why? Thin. The, why are you so obsessed with it?" I know. <laughs> The, 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 I mean, the laptop, I get, you know, even if it, it, sometimes I'm thinking, really, you know, how thin do you need to make it, you know? I understand people want really light laptops, really particularly thin, people really carrying them around all yes. the while. And so yeah, that, I can I, understand I, that. I can understand that, you know, and my 2012, you know, MacBook Pro here that's half an inch thick and, you know, probably weighs, well, I don't know what, three pounds or something, is, you know, and it had a DVD it, drive. Even then for its, for its day, it was still quite quite a svelte thing. Oh, it was, yes. It's no MacBook Air, but... Um, but I actually, I actually replaced um, uh, the minister of the church that I belonged to um, was going away for a few days, and his uh, MacBook Pro, um, around about the same age, uh, was had become very, very slow over time. Um, and I said, well, look, tell you what, while you're away, do you want me to rebuild it for you? And he said, oh, yes, please. And I said, and I'll tell you what, if, if you're prepared to pay for it, I'll bung in an SSD as well and give it more life. Yeah. Um, and it was actually fairly strong. Uh, it was only when he gave it to me I realised it wasn't. It hadn't got a. It wasn't old enough to have a, 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 a panel on the back you could remove. Oh. And and you have to take the bottom of it. Um, but it actually was fairly straightforward in the end. Um, and, and the fact is, the machine absolutely flew afterwards. But, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I put a, a, an SSD in mine at uh, about Christmas time by taking out the DVD drive, and I used one of these bits uh, yeah, where yeah. you. Um, and I put an SSD in the DVD bay. Um, and a week or so ago, uh, I did the same for uh, a woman who lives next door to my father. And she said to me, I've got this uh, MacBook Pro 15 inch and it's a 2011. And you know, it, it, it's almost unusably slow. And I said, oh, I'll have a look at it. And um, it was, it, you know, it took like eight minutes to boot to a yeah. usable state. And exactly the same. Yeah. Um, you know, you clicked on a on an app, and it, it just was forever. You could literally go and make a tea and come back, and and it still hadn't finished loading. And I said, "Well, it's only about six months older than mine, and it shouldn't be as slow as that." So mm. I suggested to her that we put a bit more RAM in it, and we uh, do the same that we put a SSD in it, and and so on, which I did. Um, but I had a load of trouble doing it because the SSD, the the Mac did not want to. Uh, recognize the ssd at all until i oh. until i took the I, in the end i had to uh, i went through a right rigmarole but in the end i put the ssd in an external enclosure um put high sierra on it using my laptop yeah um and then i put the ssd in the 
hard drive slot and moved the hard drive to the DVD drive bay, and right. it worked perfectly. Whereas very strange. Now, that was very strange because when I did my 13-inch MacBook Pro, I originally put the SSD in the, dri- in the, in the HD bay, yeah. and it wouldn't recognize it. I had to put it in the DVD bay. So hers is exactly the opposite way round. Oh, that's weird, isn't it? Now, no, I didn't. I didn't have any problems like that at all. The the only minor problems I had was that he was the reason he let me have it was that he was going to Zambia for about a week, um, so he didn't have any need for it. Uh, and I took it to pieces and um, put the new hard drive in it, and then it said, "Oh, okay, so a machine this old, I'm going to put a leopard on it." Um, and so I thought, oh, okay, fair enough. I'll let it do that. What he hadn't told me is that he'd got two-factor authentication. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so every now and then I'd get a text from him saying, uh, here's here's some numbers. That appear to have come <laughs> up on my phone. Yeah. But uh, anyway, despite this weirdness that uh, it had to be the other way around to, to mine, uh, and then it was fine. And now it performs as you'd expect. Uh, I'm yeah. sure a clean install helped. I'm, I'm, I was... While I was working on it, I got the impression that it might have had a High Sierra update that hadn't completed 100%. Right. Because there were Maybe. there were things on it that weren't working correctly. Um, it kept going to sleep while I was trying to work on it, you know, as it does. And yeah. uh, I went into the control panels, uh, the system preferences, and I changed the power settings so that, you know, on mains don't go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and it just, despite that being what the... Uh, what the system preferences said, it still went to sleep like every five minutes. Oh. Um, you know, restarts or not. So anyway, there you go. So something in it wasn't quite right. So overall, it was a much better machine with a clean install and uh, an SSD. Uh, of course, the bonus so, is so that's uh, is that is that public service announcement of the day from Essential Apple? Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. Uh, put an SSD in it. Put an SSD <laughs> in it. Uh, everybody, you know, I. I said it when I did it, everybody had been banging on, it's the best possible upgrade you can give to an old machine and it is, It's absolute, it just makes a complete difference. It does I put one in my old iMac, I put one in my Mac Mini which I had for a while uh, and in fact <laughs> strangely enough, so I bought this machine, I couldn't really afford to put, have an SSD in it when I bought it and I wasn't going to take it to pieces because you know it's a, it's a more modern one and they're so much harder to get oh, to pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what I ended up doing, I, 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 it had the Fusion Drive in it, but I found the Fusion Drive irritatingly slow. Right. Uh, 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 people have told me it shouldn't have been, but I, I was seeing the um, the wheel of death far too often. And um, so what I ended up doing was literally getting an external SSD and plugging it into a USB 3.0 port. And it runs almost as if it were internal. So if you if you ever need to do that, folks out there, yeah, that's also... that's also a viable option. You move your OS onto the external drive and you boot from I mean, that, I know, and it works perfectly well. I know that there are. I know of people who have got you know not super old but older iMacs. Yeah. Uh, like you say, either with a Fusion drive or or with the rotational drives. Uh, but they're new enough that taking them apart to put an SSD in is, you know, a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people I know there have, have done that. They get an SSD, put it in an external enclosure, uh, connect it to the back of the iMac, and you can you can actually get um, quite nice holders which will attach a, like a sling. 
so oh yeah that's a good idea so i had never thought of doing that you can get these things like a holster if you like so that you you plug your uh you plug your ssd into the back of the imac and then the, the enclosure goes into this sort of holster on the back of the imac so you're not going to see so it. you can't see it that's a good idea um you know it doesn't even have to be sitting on the foot it's just hanging around the back and uh that's nearly as good and it doesn't involve frying the thing apart and what what i've ended up doing is um using the internal drive as a backup drive so i've actually got a carbon copy cloner and i'm i, I it runs once a week and it just copies everything off the ssd onto the internal drive well, yeah. so if i ever have a failure i can literally boot it as if it were my internal drive yeah and then uh, you might find it in painfully slow well it would be slow but it would still work but it would still work that's it it's better than nothing and um yeah. i on the other hand uh i've got a I don't know what my mine was a strange size it was like a 290 gigabyte drive right ssd uh so i've uh, yeah i've got my apps and my user account and my um os on that but i kept my one terabyte rotational drive so i keep all my other junk um on that yeah good idea um and i for things that would fill up you know take up too much space so like my virtual machines which can run to sort of 100 gig yeah, um, I keep them on the on the rotational drive because I don't need I don't need SS, S, uh, SSD speeds out of them. But there we go. Oh, and talking of um, talking of virtual machines, uh, those who've been following the uh, the Risk OS uh, shenanigans, I I found and downloaded a free emulator because you can't you can't virtualize obviously uh, the acorn risk os but i found a free emulator let me just look it up it's called uh i think it's rpc or is it rcp can't remember it'd probably be rpc after risk pc would it yes probably uh, it's called rpc emu RPC. Oh, I think I'm have to look at that because I used to own an a Risk right. PC. It, it's an it's an it's called RPC EMU. It's free to download. Uh, it emulates um, uh, an A seven thousand, I believe. And I down, then downloaded the uh, Risk OS uh, five point two four, whatever the latest one is. Anyway, um, it's quite easy to set up. I did have to do a little bit of shenanigans, but I you. You can set it up to use what it's called the host filing system, which means you basically oh, right. you okay. can just basically put a folder on on the host machine and call it uh, host FS, and that becomes the the filing system for the virtual machine. Oh, cool! Um, and you can set it up to two hundred and fifty six megabytes, uh, which of course for a Risk OS machine is massive. Oodles, yes. Um, and I've told it to emulate an SA one ten, which is a strong arm. Uh, and there you go. Oh, yeah, strong arm. Yeah. So it, I, I now Takes have me a, back. a little Risk <laughs> OS. It's two hundred and sixty four megabytes with a SA one ten processor um, and effectively unlimited storage. Um, Do you know? I think I've still got a box upstairs full of uh, Risk OS stuff. Well, I was probably say, on floppy disks. The only, the only, <laughs> the only, my only problem here is, of course, I now have a. It only runs at six forty four four eighty, by the way. So it runs in a tiny little window. A tiny window, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, there you go. It, it's uh, that's cool. It's cool. Um, but I don't really have any apps. Only the ones that come with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only trouble because because they're all mostly only available on floppy disks. So. Uh, I'm sure course, there must be. I'm sure there must be somewhere where I can. Um, oh, probably if you have a dig around. 
that I can dig around. Um, and at the moment, sometimes the the pointer doesn't work properly. In the my yeah. my mouse can't get it to go where I want. Anyway, it, there you go. It's a fun little thing if you want to play with it. It's free to download, and of course the Risk OS is free to download. Um, so you can have fun playing with your Acorn Risk machine in a little tiny window. Do you know? I reckon the only reason they failed was software. Uh, the only reason I stopped, the only reason I sold mine was simply because they, they were being left behind. There were only a small number of people working on software for it. And and, and they just couldn't keep up with where the world was going, basically, um, which was a shame because I love my wrist PC. Uh, I, th- I think that's probably the problem. Um, I, you know, I, I think so. I never had a, an Acorn. Um, I, I always liked it. Uh, one of the things I have noticed, even though I've only got the the OS running and a few basic uh, apps that come with it is just how modern it feels. Yeah, it was remarkable for its time. You know, um, we're talking about what the late eighties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was amazing, really, for yeah. for for its time. And 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 if you look at what Windows was doing at the time, I think we were on Windows three, or just 3. about one, maybe. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think three point one was out when the Risk PC came out. So I've got. Um, but I mean, obviously, it's GUI. It's uh, it. You it's know, proper. It's properly drag and drop. That was its big thing. It's got. <laughs> Is that, is that when you wanted to save a file, you picked up an icon, you dropped it, and you dragged it, uh, dragged it, and you dropped it. Yeah, and you know it's got a dock effectively along the bottom. Um, it it feels, you know, you've got your task manager, display manager. Um, I mean, looking back at it now from a Mac mod- point of view, it's a little, it's a little bit clunky. But well, considering where it, when it when it was written, I mean, it's remarkable. Well, you're talking, you know, uh, what what are we talking? System six equivalent. Probably. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm not sure because I don't go that, that far well, with the Mac. I can assure you, you're talking pretty early. In the, I mean, what, was the Mac was born in 1984. I got into... Yeah, so that would have been... Yeah, I, I think we're probably talking 89-ish. Yeah, I 18, think 19, so. I mean, when? you're and that's, that's System 6 era. That yeah. really is. Uh, so much as I loved the Mac OS System 6, I think if I went back to it now, you would find it really very a bit um, painful yes <laughs> very basic uh anyway so there you go anybody's interested in it download the rpc emu uh, for free and you can download the risk os and you can play with your virtual acorn well nick i think we've probably pretty much exhausted it now haven't we i think we have We've also been going quite a long time, so <laughs> I think perhaps... It's been very should... enjoyable. Thank uh, you for having no, us well, on. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming on. And, uh, right, uh, this is where you get to shill yourself. Oh, well, uh, there's not much to shill, really. Uh, you can find me at, on Twitter. Uh, not that I Twitter very much, but <laughs> but I am there. Uh, and uh, my username is Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. There we go. And of course, you're sometimes on the Let's Talk Apple podcast, as we said. I am. I am. Bart allows me on. Bless him. <laughs> That's it. And uh, there we go. This show, of course, is Essential Apple. We're on the web at essentialapple.com. Uh, we also post the shows on the mymac.com website because we're part of the MyMac network, as is Bart and uh, various other people, including Guy and Gaz and... Uh, Tim Robertson on the Tech Fan and the Geeky Ladies and uh, the Geekiest Show Ever and the Nintendo Club podcast and uh, probably some other people who I can't remember. Um, 
there we go. I can be found on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. The show is at Essential Apple, and uh, that's probably about it. I uh, would like to say a thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon or via the Pinecast Tips Jar. Always appreciated. it goes towards, you know, paying for hosting and all those sorts of things. Uh, so anybody who wants to support us, feel free to go to the website and follow the links. Uh, we have an Amazon affiliate link. I'm not sure if it's working, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> not sure. That's Mark's department, and he's not been feeling very well. Um, he, he's not sure, and the way Amazon report whether or not we get any money has changed, so he's not sure if we're actually – he's not sure if nobody's buying anything through our link or it's just not reporting it to him correctly. But anyway, if you if you click on it, we might get something. You never know. Um, that That's about it, really. I think there's time to wrap it up for the week. So uh, – I think we'll just say goodbye, shall we? Sounds a good idea. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Amazon, Google, Apple, Android, iOS, Alexa, Siri, technology, sci-fi, video games, tablets, computers, flash drives, toys, weather, and general silliness. Geekiest show ever, every week on the MyMac Podcasting Network. the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening.